This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to The Morning Bulletin, your new podcast on the Blood Red channel that we'll be recording every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, basically the weekdays when we don't record our main Blood Red show, rounding up the headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. I'll be joined by a guest on each of those days and on the phone today, we've got the Liverpool Echo Sports audience editor, Sean Bradbury. Good morning, Sean. On a wheel, I'll switch, mate. You okay? Yeah, not bad. It's strange doing a podcast. I said this yesterday, but it is strange doing a podcast before eight AM in the morning. But needs must. <laughs> it is a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, but I've got me coffee. You know, settling into life in lockdown. So you know, I'm sure we'll we'll get through this one together. We certainly will, mate. And we'll start with a story on our site uh, by our chief LFC writer Ian Doyle about the future of this season's Premier League, which, uh, as we say in the headline, should please Liverpool fans. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Premier League, probably one of the most powerful leagues in the world, isn't it? If not individually the most powerful league. But Doyle's fear is that um, things are things are not going to be able to be done unilaterally by the Premier League themselves in terms of decisions that are going to be made about how this season's resolved. So, yeah, the, the key line in his piece is that um, any change to promotion and relegation would need to be agreed with the FA League committee and the EFL as well. So the Premier League can't just make a decision to, to scrap this season or whatever and, and then and be done with it because obviously there's knock on effect isn't there in terms of people coming up from the championship people going down to it so yeah I think his, his point is that any of the, the self-interest arguments that seem to have kind of emerged over the last few weeks when reports and discussions have been ongoing clubs who would like to see their season cancelled it seems that their their kind of power to do that will be will be slightly diminished I think you know, just thinking about this in general and looking ahead to this big meeting on Friday there's, there's, there's no good things, there's no silver lining to come out of this global pandemic. But if you look at it in a football sense, I think it's forcing all these kind of really powerful elements like the Premier League, UEFA and co. Everyone knows that really to get a proper solution to this, they, they have to work together. So that, that's the interesting thing for me. And that I think that's what will we'll hold sway here. The Premier League can't just make a decision on its own. So, so therefore, you know, no individual element in the Premier League can, can kind of get what they want um, in that sense. So... So yeah, hopefully we'll we'll learn a little bit more on Friday at this at this next meeting of the Premier League. It looks like this April thirtieth placeholder date that's that's been there will be will be pushed back. And I think there's there's been a few of these meetings so far, haven't there? And they've all seemed to be quite preparatory and just looking ahead to the next one. And quite sensibly, really, the Premier League has seemed to just take their time with things. But a lot of the discussions have been obviously hypothetical. But now the country and indeed most of the world's in lockdown. I I get the feeling that this one we we might maybe get a little bit more of a sense of a decision and direction that they're going to go in because obviously you've you've heard the Premier League already say that the their rules have been rewritten things can be extended indefinitely if needed I think you had yesterday there was a couple of little updates wasn't it the National League has been suspended indefinitely so almost feels like a similar kind of solution like push it down the line and when things are better when it's safe to do so hopefully try and get the season resolved you had the Bundesliga yesterday saying um action there is going to be suspended right through April and it almost seems like a kind of behind closed doors plan being put into place potentially um, yeah and we've obviously had all these crazy reports haven't we of, of a potential May start date for the Premier League a potential July one we've had these plans of trying to get things done in four to six weeks a mega TV event and all sorts of ideas so yeah hopefully on Friday we'll, we'll learn a little bit more certainly it's, it's dominating our agenda at the Liverpool Echo and it's dominating the agenda 
of a lot of news organisations across the world. But the, the football, even though it's not taking place, people are still reading, people are still talking about football stories, almost maybe as a distraction. And, and one such was today is a really good one on our website. Uh, it was regarding Liverpool's lone players. Uh, Paul Gorstar, LFC correspondent, has been talking about what could happen in the future of people like Rian Brewster, who have just seen then turns 20 today. So happy birthday, Rian, to, to you for that. Uh, and, and, and people like Loris Caddy who are out on loan as well. It's it's quite a good read. Yeah, it is a good read, yeah. So kind of like updates across the board, as you say, we love with it with all those guys there. It's interesting, isn't it? Because like Gorsi makes the point with Klopp and loans that I think when, when Klopp first came to Liverpool back in twenty fifteen, he was surprised how many players out were out on loan at that time. I think it was uh according to Gorsi seventeen, which, you know, feels like quite a lot. And it's weird with loans because I always think back to Rafa and it seemed at times under Benitez, if someone went out on loan, it was almost like the death knell for the Liverpool career. It was like, well, that's the first step to them being being sold, you know, the kind of shop window job. Um, and with Klopp, it's it's it's, it's strange in the moment because you kind of think, you know, players like Trent and others, Curtis Jones, Nico Williams, those are people who who have come through or look like they're on the cusp of coming through. And you think, well, they, they must get so much great attention and training, and and the in-house development seems to be. A kind of essential part of what Klopp's all about. So you do kind of, in a, in a general sense, wonder about the guys who are out on loan. But then, yeah, just looking at a couple of those guys you mentioned, Brewster, done pretty well at Swansea, I think. I think it's mm-hmm. four goals in 11 games. He's still only 20, and, and Gorsley wonders whether the next step for him can almost be that that step that Wilson's taken after after Derby doing well there. He's gone to Bournemouth and he's tried out in the Premier League and seen what, what that's like. So, Essentially, when everything settles and we find out what's going to happen with this season and next, that could be an option for Brewster because he is still so young and it's been clear over the last few seasons how um, highly Klopp rates him. So we'll see with that. Carrius, bizarre situation really because there was um, talk that the ship that's kind of almost had to take him after this this um, loan spell and there was a, I think it was 7.25 million clause built into the deal but as we understand it, that was based on whether certain criteria in terms of performances, appearances, European qualification was met. Uh, and I think, yeah, basically, unless Besiktas changed their mind, he'll be coming back in the summer. Um, and yeah, I guess the, the most interesting ones really are Wilson and Grujic, because if you think of that, these levels of progression, you know, trying yourself out in the Championship and then maybe going to the Premier League or, or you know, Germany, where, where Grujic is in, in a top European league, I don't really see what those guys could do now to prove themselves even more to Klopp. And I'm not saying that means that they're, you know, comfortably able to come to Liverpool and be part of the first team set up. But it almost feels now after proving yourself with Bournemouth as Wilson has and doing pretty well with Hertha Berlin as, as Gurich has, it feels a little bit make or break for them in terms of when they do now return from, from this low spell, what the next stage is. And I think they've both done well. So if they were to be sold, you'd fancy decent fees to be recouped for either of them. Um, but then, you know, you look at the potential reorganisation of the Liverpool squad in this summer or whenever the transfer window is, uh, and maybe opportunities will develop for them in terms of the likes of Shakiri, perhaps Lallana leaving, uh, maybe a couple of others. So, you know, there the, the may be spaces that open up in terms of midfield for those two, but just remains to be seen, really. It's a, it's a big summer for both of them. It certainly is, and it'd be interesting if people like the Shakiri and Lallana to leave, and maybe Wilson. There's, there's going to be a clamour for signings, and, and a one on our website we we cover extensively because there's so, so much interest in him because he's such a brilliant young player, Jaden Sancho. Uh, but yeah. our sister paper, the Mirror, this morning or last night, I should say, is claimed to have a bit of an update. Yeah, they're saying that um, 
it doesn't look like Liverpool are kind of going to be part of this race anymore and it might be left to some, some other top Premier League sides and you name Chelsea and United as the ones who might be most advanced in terms of negotiations. It's, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's only 20 and I just think he's surely the type of name who every single top club in Europe will, will, be, will be keeping tabs on, will be monitoring. Why, why wouldn't he be? He's, he's lighting up the Bundesliga and, you know, he, he, he looks like his next big move will, will kind of potentially shape European football and the dynamics of it for, for a couple of years to come because he's, he's going to walk into a good side and be, be a, an excellent player at such a young young age. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was, there was all sorts going around in January, wasn't there? There was rumours about a potential move for him then and certainly looking ahead to the summer, it's it, it looked for a while like he's, he's going to be off and I remember when Klopp was asked about it, he just said, oh, you know, he's a very good player but I don't know where this type of talk linking him with Liverpool is coming from. Obviously, mentioned cost as being an issue, and just said, "Oh, there's nothing to say about this." But I don't know. Maybe this is just uh, reading slightly too much into it. When he was when he was asked similar stuff about Mbappe, he he almost quite literally laughed it off. Yeah, and he did seem a little a little bit more circumspect when he was when he was talking about Sancho. Um, I, I just think he's, if Liverpool weren't looking at him um, and and at least assessing the viability of it in a, in a financial sense, surely you'd be surprised because he's he's such a good young talent. Um, and my feeling with him is, is that he's, he's obviously a young lad from England. He's, he's, he's had this experience now of playing in Europe at an early age. And, and I just think he's at some stage, and it does look like quite soon, he's going to be bound for a Premier League move. So there's that extra element that comes into the idea of a Sancho transfer is if you miss out on it. It's one thing if you miss out on someone who then goes to play for Bayern Munich, Barca, Real or whatever. But when week on week, he's going to potentially come back to the Premier League and be a rival if he does say go to United or Chelsea or whatever. I just think that surely has to be factored into thinking as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the mirror, I think Dave Maddox's article says one of the, the key reasons for Liverpool potentially being out of this is that Salah, Firmino and Mane are all settled, uh, tied down to contracts and there's no chance of them leaving uh, this summer, which obviously, if that's the case, is, is, is massive. You know, every Liverpool fan will want that front three to stay together for as long as possible. Um, but, my point on, on this as well is uh, surely at some stage Michael Edwards and the, the analytic lads and Jürgen Klopp everyone at Liverpool is going to be thinking long term and succession planning and there's obviously no suggestion any of any of Liverpool's front three are, uh, are kind of approaching the, the, the top of their curve and coming down the other side they're still obviously elite players but I just think Liverpool are, are a team who do things so far in advance and so cleverly and well now that someone like Sancho 20 years of age surely will be on the radar at the very least so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll watch that one with interest and see what happens. Totally agree, mate. <clears throat> to the final one, uh, let's uh, basically say this is not from us, it's, it's from the Daily Mail via L'Equipe in France and it's regarding uh, Raheem Sterling. Again, it, every kind of reaction we've had from fans on our website and on to podcasts and things like that say, no, I wouldn't want him back. But there does seem to feel like he's trying to you know, build a few bridges, isn't he, what he said on Instagram Live. And, and this report, as I say, that's been reported via the mail this morning. Yeah, it was th- those comments. Like you say, it was it was an Instagram live, and I, I think I think that might have been part of it. It was this whole lockdown situation is just it's kind of utterly bizarre for for everyone involved in it, isn't it? You know, everyone knows what they have to do and and, and stay safe, but it, you see a lot of the players kind of communicate on social and things like that. And I wonder whether it was just he's not kind of in that environment at the moment of of, of having you know kind of club media 
uh, training and stuff like that. And he's not in the rhythm of like football press conferences. And it, yeah, he just seemed to speak a little bit more openly. But what he said was interesting. Will they ever go back to Liverpool? To be honest with you, I love Liverpool. They're always in my heart, that type of thing. Quite quite nice to hear as a Reds fan. And there's no doubt that the circumstances of his departure were messy. But I think when you look back at it, he was he was 20 years of age. You know, he's, he's the age we're talking about with, with Brewster and Sancho now. And, and obviously, he'd been propelled to start them in, in a Liverpool team and developed at Liverpool. And that always has to be remembered. Uh, but I think he does remember that. And, and looking back on it, obviously, every Liverpool fan at the time thought, to a certain extent, rightly, that a lot of the tactics used were unsavoury. There was that BBC interview, wasn't there, that was unsanctioned. Um, the, the pre-season tour that he didn't go on and AD Warder's agent got a lot of stick. And, and Sterling himself, obviously, he's been, he's been booed and kind of pilloried um, <laughs> pretty much pretty much ever since. And I, I totally understand that. But I think that when you look back at it, Suarez had left the season before. So Sterling, it, it kind of speaks to Liverpool, was, was, was raised automatically by that you know he was already a, a fantastic player as, as, as a teenager and then you know when he turned 20 but I think he was always going to feel the heat a little bit more intensely because all eyes were on him again the next season and ultimately you know <laughs> I don't want to kind of uh, praise those tactics too much but it, it what happened there ended in a big move he's gone to City he's won a couple of leagues he's won an FA Cup God knows how many league cups he seems to win it every season though, didn't he? and he's still only 25 so you know, I, I think it's kind of worked out well for him. Liverpool have built built really well in the meantime, um, even though that's, that's taken a little while. I, I think the main thing to take from it is, yeah, you know, Sterling returning to Liverpool, obviously highly unlikely. The the dynamics between Liverpool and City, you wouldn't think are going to hugely change over the next few seasons as long as Guardiola sticks around and they keep their squad together, Liverpool keep their squad together. You think it's just going to be those two duking it out for, for, for titles, but... Do you think this Champions League ban does change things? You've got a load of a load of top players. I mean, some of them older than Sterling, who've, who've probably only got a handful of years left at the elite level of the game. Sterling's a bit different because obviously he's 25. But when you consider that, something you would have thought was a given. If you're at Man City, you're going to appear in the Champions League. You're one of the two top clubs at the moment in, in the Premier League. So that's, that's just a guarantee at the end of every season. But... That's lost, and and or potentially, you know, depending on what happens with with City's appeal. Um, so yeah, I, I think the main thing to take from this is you've got a star of twenty five, seemingly who's not been unsettled, should we say, but certainly speaking more openly about the prospect of uh, <laughs> of, of leaving, and, and I think that's something City are going to have to contend with, and, and could have bigger ramifications than than just these comments from Sterling. Definitely, mate. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, but before we go, we're just going to have a quick look back at what happened on this day in years gone by, just two for today. Uh, on this day, exactly 20 years ago, Emil Heskey scored the first of his 60 goals for Liverpool in a 3-0 win at Coventry City. No doubt, uh, really pleasing Joe Rimmer there. And uh, on, on this day in 2017, Liverpool won the Merseyside derby at Anfield 3-1 against Ronald Koeman's Everton, whose goal was scored by Sam Carroll's best mate, Matthew Pennington. But can yeah, you remember, mate, who scored for Liverpool that day in that 3-1 win? Ah. Shouldn't be throwing this. 2017, it was the Cooman one. Everton had a... Uh, yeah, Pennington scored in the... After, I think he got the equaliser after an early goal. Oh, who was that then? 2017, no, go on. I'm, I shouldn't... I'm, I should, to be fair, I shouldn't throw me. this on any man so early in the morning. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember one of them, but the other two, it was Mane, Coutinho and yeah. Divock Origi. I think that was the one when Joel was well out of his goal, wasn't he? And he just kind of bent uh, it in the top corner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Next time yeah, you're on, mate, I'll give you a bit more prep. I shouldn't have thrown it on you like that. 
we, we certainly hear a fair bit about that game in the Echo offices because obviously, yeah, Matthew Pennington, best mate in Sam Carroll. So, yeah, his goal is a, is a regular topic of discussion. It certainly is, mate. But thanks very much for joining us, Sean. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday morning. But in the meantime, just keep an eye on the Echo's website for all the breaking news. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.